Chapter thirty one of Herb of Grace. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Herb of Grace by Rosa Nuchette Carey. Chapter thirty one Plot and Counterplot. Many a one, by being thought better than he was, has become better. Jowett. Not as little as we dare, but as much as we can. Bishop of Westcott. Malcolm wrote to Dinah that afternoon, giving her a full account of his interview with Leah Jacoby. Then he spent the rest of the day making up arrears of work. The last post brought him a reproachful little note from Anna. Mother thinks you have forgotten us. Why are you staying away in this unmannerly fashion, you naughty boy? she wrote. It is ten whole days since you were here, and we both feel lone and lorn without you, and so on. But under the playful words he could detect a shade of earnestness. Tired as he was, and needing rest sorely, he answered the letter and posted it before he slept. Anna read it aloud to Mrs. Herrick the next morning, and they both agreed that it was a charming letter. The dear home people must forgive his seeming neglect, it said, for it was not possible for him to put in an appearance just yet. He was arranging a troublesome affair for a friend that gave him a great deal of anxiety and worry. He had been to Oxford and might have to go down again, and he could not spare an hour for social duties. Oxford, I wonder if the business concerns his friend Cedric Templeton, observed Anna thoughtfully. But Mrs. Herrick only looked grave, and said she did not know, and that evidently Malcolm did not wish to enlighten them. She spoke dispassionately, and not in the least as though his reserve troubled her. But Anna was rather absent and distraught the rest of the day, she had watched Malcolm narrowly, and had come to the conclusion that he had something on his mind. All his attempts at gaiety, his little jokes, his badinage, did not deceive her for a moment. Trouble had come to him. In some ways he was a changed man. He looked older, graver, and in repose his features had a careworn expression, as of one who has worked hard in turmoil of soul. And this trouble, could it be connected in any way with this mysterious Elizabeth, of whom he never spoke? Ah, that was the question over which Anna pondered so heavily, as her fair head bent over her typewriter. Malcolm had ordered an early breakfast again in his own room, but as he sat down to it, Hepsy brought him a note. A slip of a lad had delivered it, she said, and was waiting for an answer. Malcolm had never seen the handwriting before, but he at once guessed it was from Leah, and he was right. It was written in pencil, and was without any conventional beginning or end. I am going out this morning. Will you come straight to Twelve Gresham Gardens? If you come early, you will find me alone. Saul went to Oxford last night, and will be back by midday. Send answer by bearer. Malcolm wrote a few words. Many thanks. We'll be with you as early as possible. Then he made a hasty meal, for he felt there was no time to be lost, and as he walked to Sloane Square Station his thoughts were full of perplexity. 
Why had Saul Jacobi gone down to Oxford? On what new mischief was he bent? Malcolm felt he had good reason for his fears. Cedric's weak, impressionable nature would be like wax in the hands of this unscrupulous adventurer. He would simply mould him to his will. The poor lad's passionate love for his sister would be turned to account and made to further his own wily purposes. Malcolm groaned inwardly, as he realized that their sole chance lay with Leah herself. Her message had given him a shade of hope, but he would not allow himself to be sanguine. He knew too well that women of Leah's caliber were not always to be depended on. In such cases one must reckon with moods and impulses. Her brother dominated her. He was the evil genius of her life. How could any one hope to influence her when she, poor soul, lived under a reign of terror? One might as well ask some wretched prisoner to break off the fetters that bound him, as to expect Leah Jacobi to walk out of that house of bondage a free woman. Malcolm found it impossible to rid himself of these gloomy forebodings. Nevertheless, he made such good speed that it was barely half-past nine when he stood in the stone porch of twelve Gresham Gardens. It was evident that he was expected, for though the maid who admitted him regarded him somewhat curiously, she did not ask his name, but conducted him at once upstairs to a handsome drawing-room where a fire was burning. The little fox-terriers, Tim and Tartar, began barking furiously at the sight of a stranger. But before Malcolm could quiet them, the plush curtains that veiled the archway were thrown back, and Leah entered from an inner room. Malcolm was quite shocked when he saw her face. She looked as though she had spent a night of weeping. That had dimmed her beauty. The hand she gave him was icy cold. Perhaps she read the silent pity in Malcolm's eyes, for her lips quivered. "'I am not ill, not really ill,' she said quickly. "'Only I have not slept, and the night was so terrible. "'You are right to come early, Mr. Herrick. "'Sometimes Saul takes an earlier train than he says. "'He has done that two or three times. "'He declares he never really trusts me. "'He made me promise not to go in the gardens this morning, "'so I was obliged to stay at home.' "'Will you tell me why your brother has gone to Oxford?' asked Malcolm, with a keen, steady glance, under which she grew still paler. "'Yes, I will tell you. He has gone to see Cedric. He was waiting for me when I got back yesterday, and he saw at once by my face that something had happened. "'Oh, you don't know, Saul. When he means to find a thing out, he is like a gimlet. One has no chance at all.' He held my wrists until I told him everything. You can see how bruised they are. And she showed him the purple marks. Oh, how angry he was! I never saw him in such a rage before. But it only made him more determined to hurry on the marriage. He has no objection, then, to your marrying a pauper? asked Malcolm coolly. But inwardly he was boiling with impotent wrath. Oh, he will not believe that Cedric is poor, she returned sadly. He only laughs at the idea of Miss Templeton disinheriting him. She wants to frighten him and to choke us off, but I know a trick worth two of that, was all he said. 
and then he cooled down and called me a little fool and bade me bring him the timetable and ten minutes later he told me he was going to oxford to arrange things with cedric you mean about your marriage yes it was fixed for next week but last evening i received this telegram and leah put it in his hand she had said all this in a weary mechanical voice as though she were reciting a lesson she had learnt by heart make preparations at once cedric returns with me function day after to-morrow nine sharp all arranged hang results malcolm's lip curled with disgust as he gave it back to her do you understand it she asked as though distrustful of his quiet bearing saul has hurried things on because he is afraid he does not trust cedric he thinks he is weak and easily influenced and fears that you may get hold of him again his one idea is to have the marriage ceremony performed before miss templeton knows of it ah just so but malcolm muttered the villain between his teeth that is why i sent for you continued leah in the same dull inward voice because he and cedric have fixed it for to-morrow and there is no time to lose if he comes and i were to see him again and here her voice broke and her eyes grew piteous i should not have the strength to do it to do what you want what i want and then he added breathlessly do you mean that you will give him up yes i mean that in a choked voice i must give him up the only creature i ever loved and who was good to me all night long i was thinking of it fighting and struggling for my poor little bit of happiness but you are right mr herrick i love him too well to drag him down to poverty and ruin for saul would ruin him i know that too well i know it too god bless you for this noble resolve returned malcolm quickly but she stopped him hush not a word of praise you do not know i have been to blame as well as saul but now what am i to do they must not find me here no of course not is there any friend to whom i could take you but leah shook her head we have no friends only a few acquaintances at henley but i could not go to them i might take a lodging somewhere only here her poor face grew crimson saul never gives me any money except a few shillings at a time he pays my bills or leaves them unpaid but it always makes him angry when i ask him for money that need be no difficulty returned malcolm kindly will you allow me to settle things for you then she looked at him inquiringly yet with an air of trust that moved him profoundly will you put on your walking things at once while i make my plans he went on be as quick as possible we must not lose time and she went off with the ready obedience of a child malcolm hastily reviewed the situation it was full of difficulties where could he take her he thought of his mother then he remembered that she was a woman of strong prejudices she had her own opinions and would decline to see with other people's eyes leah would be to her merely an extremely dangerous and objectionable young woman and she would dislike the idea of anna being brought into contact with her the kestons would help him he knew that and verity would be a trusty and faithful little counsellor but chain walk was hardly the place for her and he would not be safe from cedric for a moment he thought of the wood-house they would never look for her there 
But he dismissed this idea the next moment. No, the manor house was their only resource. He would put her in Mrs. Godfrey's care, and ask her to keep her safe until they had made their plans. Mrs. Godfrey was a woman of the world. She would make allowances for any human creature so broken and buffeted in the battle of life, whose womanhood had been so tempted and crushed. His mother was kind-hearted, but her sympathies were less broad, and she often failed intact. Leah would be to her a puzzling enigma. He felt with shrewd intuition that it would be impossible for them to understand each other. "'No, it must be my dear Mrs. Godfrey,' he said to himself. "'She is more human. It is not her way to use a sledgehammer when a lighter weapon will serve her purpose.' and then she never forces confidence she is the most tactful woman i know malcolm broke off abruptly here as leah entered the room she wore the same dark red dress she had worn the previous day and had a travelling wrap over her arm she carried a small gladstone bag of which malcolm at once relieved her i packed this last night she said in a low voice and i wrote this letter will you give it to him then Malcolm glanced at the address. It was to Cedric, and he put it carefully in his breast pocket. "'He shall have it,' was his answer. "'Now, if you are ready, we may as well go.' "'If we are quiet, no one will hear us,' she observed in the same subdued voice. "'The servants are in the back kitchen. I heard them laughing and talking as I came downstairs.' Then she led the way, and Malcolm followed her closely." Leah's remark about an earlier train had made him supremely uncomfortable. What if they should come face to face with Saul Jacoby and Cedric as they turned out of Gresham Gardens? The idea was unpleasant. Fortunately, at that moment, he saw an empty cab crawling towards them, after the manner of growlers when a fare is wanted, and he at once hailed it. Leah looked somewhat surprised when she heard him direct the man to a pastry-cook's shop in the near vicinity of Paddington Station. She gave him a questioning glance. "'We cannot go straight to our destination until I am sure the coast is clear,' he explained. "'There is an upstairs room at Falconer's, and I am going to order you some luncheon, and you must do your best to eat it. I shall have to leave you for a quarter of an hour or so, until the Oxford train is in.' "'You mean to go to the station?' she asked nervously. "'Oh, Mr. Herrick, is that wise? Saul is so sharp-sighted. If he sees you, he will guess that you have been to Gresham Gardens.' "'He will not see me,' returned Malcolm confidently. "'There is a corner where I can secrete myself and watch the passengers go by. When we are really off, I will tell you our destination, but at present I must ask you to have faith that I am doing my best for you.' She smiled faintly and said no more. Five minutes later the cab stopped, and Malcolm took her upstairs and found a quiet corner for her. "'You must take a few spoonfuls of soup,' he pleaded, "'for the sake of appearances. Falconer is rather famed for mock turtle.' Then he put down the bag beside her and went on his quest. It was more than twenty minutes before he returned. "'It is all right,' he observed. "'They passed me quite close.' We shall be in the train before they reach Gresham Gardens. I think I heard your brother say that they had better do their business first. Leah shivered. She knew too well what that business was. 
A quarter of an hour later they were on their way to Cookham. Leah seemed very much startled, and even alarmed when she learnt their destination, and at first Malcolm found it difficult to reassure her. "'Mrs. Godfrey!' she exclaimed. "'Oh, I scarcely know her. Somehow she frightens me. Her eyes seem to read one, through and through. And then the Etheridges will be so near.' "'I believe they are abroad,' replied Malcolm, "'and not expected home until the middle of December, "'so you need not trouble your head about them. "'But indeed you are wrong about Mrs. Godfrey. "'She is a dear woman, and the greatest friend I have. "'She is so warm-hearted and true "'that she would go through fire and water for anyone she loved. "'Oh, yes, no doubt. "'And not only for her friends,' he went on, "'for her sympathies are worldwide.' "'Trust her, my dear Miss Jacoby, and you will see how good she is to you. "'She is not hard and censorious in her judgments. "'She is far too well balanced for that. "'If you can only secure Mrs. Godfrey for a friend, you will need no other.' "'But it was plain to him that Leah was only half convinced. "'Under her veil he could see she was vainly trying to repress her tears, "'and his heart ached for her.' During their short walk to the manor-house he kept silent. He was wondering what he should say to Mrs. Godfrey, and how he could best explain matters. But just as they turned into the drive, he saw her coming round from the garden with a basket of late-blooming flowers in her hand. She stood still as though petrified with astonishment when she saw Malcolm's companion. "'What is it? What does it mean?' she asked in her clear voice. "'Has anything happened?' "'Much has happened, my dear lady,' he returned quietly. "'I am going to confide Miss Jacoby to your care for a few days.' And then, very briefly but distinctly, he gave her an account of Saul Jacoby's scheme, the intended marriage, and Cedric's arrival at Gresham Gardens. But for Miss Jacoby's noble behaviour, he continued, this disgraceful plot would have been carried out. She has generously given him up, and I, for one, am deeply indebted to her. "'Will you hide me for a few days, until I know what to do?' asked Leah, fixing her great troubled eyes on the other woman's face. Mrs. Godfrey's manner changed. "'Hide you from your brother, do you mean? Or Cedric? Or both? My dear, you will be perfectly safe with us. No one will molest you at the manor-house, and we will both do all we can for you.' She took the girl's hand kindly and kissed her cheek. "'We will have such a talk presently, you and I. But just now you are worn out and must lie down. Your head aches, does it not?' Then Leah owned that she was right. "'Alec is about the ground somewhere,' Mrs. Godfrey continued. "'When I have made Miss Jacoby comfortable, I will join you both.' But when she rejoined them half an hour later, Malcolm was quite sure she had been shedding tears.' "'Poor thing,' she said to him in an undertone. "'How she must have suffered! "'She is terribly exhausted. "'She has had no sleep, and has eaten nothing for four-and-twenty hours. "'I made her swallow some warm brandy and milk, "'and have covered her up snugly. "'Now I mean to send the servant away at luncheon, "'and we will wait on ourselves, and then you can tell us everything.' "'You must promise not to interrupt me, then,' was Malcolm's answer, "'for I shall have to be off in an hour or so. "'I mean to go down to Staple Grove by a late afternoon train "'and tell Miss Templeton all we have done.' 
Malcolm certainly had the art of narration. Not only Mrs. Godfrey, but the colonel, hung on his words with the deepest attention. Neither did they interrupt him by comment or question until he had finished. Then Mrs. Godfrey said softly, "'You have done a good work there, Mr. Herrick.' "'Who, I? Pooh! Nonsense!' But Malcolm flushed a little at her appreciative look. "'I have done nothing. It is all Miss Jacoby's generosity.' "'I think we should hear a different version from her,' returned Mrs. Godfrey with a smile. "'And I can see Alec agrees with me,' nodding to her husband. "'Must you really go to Staplegrove to-night? Suppose Cedric goes to Shanewalk.' "'That is quite possible,' returned Malcolm. "'Nay, more, it is extremely probable, and I pencilled a line to Verity in the train. She is to tell him where I have gone. But my only fear is that he will not follow me.' "'Saul Jacoby will keep too tight a hold of him. "'By the by, Colonel, I wonder what infernal lies "'that fellow has induced him to tell the authorities. "'If he has taken French leave of absence, they will rusticate him.' "'I think he had better leave the university,' returned Colonel Godfrey grimly, "'for he is only bent on mischief and will never pass his examination.' Let him go abroad a bit with some reliable person and get over his folly, and then see if he will not settle down better. Dinah could afford to give him a year's travelling, and I know she would never begrudge the money. No, indeed, she is only too generous by nature, returned his wife. And then, after a little more conversation, Malcolm took leave of Mrs. Godfrey, and he and the colonel walked down to the station. End of chapter 31